Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I want to thank Herbal Active for once again sponsoring this episode of the Trap Draw Herbal Active CBD. You can uh, find their assortment of products at their website, herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com. While you're there, be sure to use the promo code TRAPDRAW20 for 20% off uh, your purchase. And I'll be back in a little bit to tell you more about Herbal Active. But for now, uh, thanks for their sponsorship. And now on to today's show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Trap Draw Podcast. My guest today is Mr. Bob Royak. I had the distinct pleasure of seeing uh, Bob at the 2019 U.S. Senior Amateur in North Carolina at Old Chatham Golf Club. He, he won the event. Uh, it was his first career USGA title. Uh, it was my very first U.S. Senior Amateur that I was attending, so I, I like to think maybe there's a, a little bit of a link there. Um, but Bob is quite the amateur golfer. He's uh, besides being the 2019 U.S. Senior Amateur Champion, he's three years running the Georgia State Senior Player of the Year. has has had quite an illustrious amateur career. Before that, was a college golfer. Uh, I'd love to get into all of that, but first, Bob, thanks for joining. How are you today? Uh, great, Randy. Thanks for having me. So I, I mentioned I was at the uh, the Senior Am this past year and was following your final match and, you know, just doing some stuff on, on Twitter and social media. Um, but you, you reached out, oh, maybe a month ago, and I, I, I guess you, you tell the folks how, how, how that happened. Yeah, so... I had been trying to get a hold of you just because um, since you were on site that day, you had posted a video of the final putt of the match that I hold on 18 at Old Chatham. And, uh, you know, one of my buddies had forwarded it to me, you know, that next day or that week after the tournament. So it was just cool to have a, have a memory, uh, video memory of the, uh, of the final end to that match. And so uh, I was just, I was trying to reach out to you to say, thanks. I thought it was great. And I love your guys' stuff too. I follow your, uh, you know, all your podcasts and all that kind of stuff. I love it. Oh, great! Thank you. I, I really yeah. appreciate that. Um, I've talked to a few um, senior amateur folks before you, and, and I think what I find most fascinating, and I think what I love most about you know elite amateur golf is it, it's truly a hobby. It's truly a, a side project for you. So I, I'm just, if you don't mind, I, I'd love to start with, you know, what, what's your, what's your quote unquote day job? What, what's your real life consist of? Yeah. So uh, my wife and I uh, have a staffing company. It's called the Royak Group. She started the company in 2002. And um, about 10 or 11 years ago, I, I left the work that I was doing. I was in sales and marketing in the uh, data and information 
industry, sold the B2B and B2C information to companies. And that business was kind of whittling away a little bit. So it was a good time to join her and try to grow this company. And so uh, I've been doing that, um, like I said, for about the last 10 years. And I handle all the operations side of the business and she handles the recruiting and the marketing side. Works out great. Fantastic. I I think the natural follow-up question then is, what does, how much golf do you play in a typical week? Yeah, throughout the year, it varies. I've, I've uh, way whittled down my off-season golf, like my November to February golf is just a, I think I've probably played four rounds um, so far since like the middle of November. I'd like to shut it down and try to recover a little bit from the from the year before. And I like coming in fresh to a new year, so I don't mind taking time off, actually. And when it when it gets up and going, are, are you... Are, are you the type of guy who, you know, practices every day? Do you uh, walk me through, you know, when, when you're gearing up for, for the season, what, what does that look like? Yeah. So I, I, I enjoy practicing. I, I do hit a lot of golf balls. Uh, I'm a member at St. Ops Country Club here in Johns Creek. It's uh, maybe five minutes from the office. So I can jump over there just about any time during the day and, and get, get whatever practice I need to get in. Um, I enjoy it, so it's not uh, it's not doesn't seem like work to me. I really like hitting balls and stuff, probably more than I do just playing recreational golf anymore. I still play. I'll play on weekends. Uh, we've got a good group of guys that play on Friday afternoons and Saturdays and Sunday mornings. And um, if I don't have an event going on, most likely that's where you'll find me. What does a typical range session look? I, I'm sure you, you know you work on different stuff, so it varies. But but what what's your what's your practice process like? So. Most times when I'm practicing, I try to just work on, I work on and grind on fundamentals. I always, I'm always working on my alignment. So I'll get my alignment sticks out and, and hit a lot of wedges, just working on where I'm aiming and not just scattering balls all over the place. So I'm, each, each shot kind of has a purpose. And, um, and, and actually I spend more and more time short game chipping and putting probably 60%, 70% of the time just around the green. And that, because uh, that's where that really where it pays off in the long run. Um, and and I've just found as I get older, it's just more in wear and tear on my body. When I beat a lot of balls, I can I can feel it a little bit. I'm got some arthritis in my left hip, and I've got a really bad Achilles on my left ankle, so I just have to be careful of those things. Sure. Um, do you mind? Can we can we go back to the start? I, I read um, your father was a caddy. I believe, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I know you grew up outside of Albany, New York, but um, that's right. I, I read, was your f- father a caddy in Connecticut at one point? Yeah, so he, he grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut, and uh, if you're familiar with Country Club of Fairfield, which is a great old Lynx, Lynxy golf course right there um, in Southport, Connecticut, he grew up uh, caddying there. So he had a real passion for the game, um, loved playing golf. And um, I grew up in Gildeland, New York. It's just a, right outside of Albany, New York. And uh, so when we uh, when we uh, settled in there, uh, he joined a club called Pine Haven Country Club, and that's where we, you know, grew up playing golf there. You know, just just reading about your your bio and and your story. So I I believe you got your first set of clubs um, through your father, and then was yeah. was it kind of love at first sight with the game of golf? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. So I've got a, an older brother and a younger brother. Um, and we all love the game. We played all the sports back then. You know, it was like, 
whatever season it was because golf was only maybe April to maybe October. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we, we'd swim during the days we were on the swim team and in, in, in the summertime and, you know, it was a great way to grow up and, and learn the game and enjoy it. Cause my mom, when we were real little, she'd just drop us off and we'd hang out there most of the day and they'd pick us up late in the day and, or else we, or we played golf till it, the sun went down and my dad might come out after work and play nine holes. So it was, um, it was a lot of fun. And I grew and we caddied on the weekends as I, as soon as I got big enough to carry a golf bag, um, we caddied at Albany country club, which was also just, you know, five or 10 minutes from the house and uh, did that almost every weekend throughout the season. How, was your first experience with competitive golf? I, I imagine was that through high school maybe, or did you play competitively before that? Yeah, some junior stuff here and there. And um, so, you know, they had Northeastern New York, I think was our like PGA section and they would have junior events. And probably when I was in my early teens, you know, just started playing some either nine hole or 18 hole events before that was before getting into high school. And um, we had inter club matches with uh, what, six or seven other clubs in, in the Albany area. We'd go to Mohawk or Wolford Truce or Albany Country Club and do like a uh, kind of Ryder Cup, you know, home on home matches. <laughs> I, I'm always fascinated. Did, did you have talent right away? Were you self-taught? Did you take a lot of lessons? I, I'm just curious about that process from, you know, picking up the game to, uh, you know, I, let's say the the scratch level. Um, and, and obviously you got beyond that, but but talk to me about that initial journey. Uh-huh. So I was absolutely, I would say, self-taught. It was, my dad was a lefty. So, you know, we didn't have his clubs or stuff to be able to use. We were all righties. And we just got friends, cut down clubs. I remember, I think my first set was probably a lady set of clubs. Um, just whatever we could swing, you know. And, and um, my dad used to have, a good. he worked for Goodyear Tire. And uh, he used to get, like, cases of golf balls from Goodyear. They used to have their own brand of golf balls, like a Top Flight or a Molitor back in the day. And so we'd have we'd have tons of golf balls to play with. So we just uh, – we had a range at our club, but it wasn't one of those where you had balls where you, you know, hit, you know, hit balls and they picked them up. You had to take your own shag bag. This is back in the day. You had a shag bag full of balls. You threw them down on the ground and you hit them and you had to go pick them up. So, you know, you had to be pretty good at, you know, hitting them where you wanted to. So you didn't spend all day trying to find them and pick them up. So um, that was good practice just doing that and, and learning the game that way. And then, you know, I just uh, picked up the game playing with, uh, you know, older guys at the club that were better than me and playing with the head pro there at the course. I never took lessons growing up, just um, just playing and learning and watching. Okay. And then I, I know eventually you made your way down uh, to Florida at the University of Tampa. Talk to me about the, the high school and then the, the recruitment process and, and how you ended up down at, at Tampa. So, you know, in my high school years, I felt like, uh, you know, my game was coming along pretty well. I, you know, had won some junior events, um, did pretty well in, in the state high school events. And um, as I was a pre- in my senior year, I started looking at schools down south. I absolutely wanted to go somewhere south where I could, you know, work on my game all year long. Um, had some slight interest with some schools, but nothing great. I ended up choosing uh, the University of Tampa. It was a Division II school. Um, they had a just, I would say, just a decent golf program. But I knew that it was a place where I could um, play on the team right away. Like I, you know, I had some interest in maybe Florida and Florida State, Miami, some of those schools. But I wasn't so sure I'd make that team right away. And I had didn't have a whole lot of interest sitting on the side 
and waiting a couple of years before I was going to be able to compete full time. So I knew at UT I could probably get walk right on there and uh, play right away. And it worked out pretty good. And then I actually won the uh, New York State Junior when I was 17 <clears throat> that August, like so a month before I was going to school. I had a, I got a bunch of phone calls from some schools trying to convince me to uh, maybe go there. But uh, I, I stuck with UT and I think it worked out pretty well for me. I, I'm I'm curious at what point. Obviously, you're you're an amateur now, but w- was there ever a, a dream or a desire to pursue golf professionally after school? Yeah, so um, I did do that. So I worked at a club there in Tampa for a couple of years. I worked. Uh, my golf coach Chuck Winship was a head pro at a club, and I ended up going to work for him and that at that golf course there in Tampa for a number of years, and uh, worked on my game. Progressed a little bit, um, felt like I was good enough to maybe try to pursue it as a career uh, playing wise. And so back in those days, that was in, uh, we're talking mid to late 80s. Um, I played in, you know, Florida mini tour and JC Goosey had his tour. And uh, so I just kind of jumped around the state of Florida playing mini tours and uh, tried to hone my game there and, and see if I could try to qualify for a PGA tour at some point uh, through Q school, which I tried a number of times, just never, never got all the way through. One of the previous interviews I did was with uh, Gene Elliott, who I'm sure you know quite well, uh, having competed with him and against him. Uh, he mentioned, you know, he, he was at qualifying school a couple times, you know, in good position and just couldn't close the deal. And, and finally, found peace and, and kind of uh, walked away from the professional golf dream. I, I'm curious if, if you know, n- not to, you know, scratch at some, some old wounds maybe, but, but walk me through, you know, did you get close? Was there, I, I, what, what was that uh, process kind of giving up that dream like? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, I very vivid memories of that kind of uh, last final journey there. Um, I think it was it was in the '90s, so it, I was in living in Atlanta at the time we moved here at '90. So I was I can't remember '91 or so. I had was playing very good golf, um, made it through the second stage. So back then it was there were three stages, made it through the second, uh, made it through the first stage, great, um, played great golf. Went to the second stage. It was out at um, Ocotillo Golf Club out in Chandler, Arizona. So my wife and I packed up our. I was driving a, um, a Honda Civic a hatchback <laughs> <laughs> and stuffed that car with my golf clubs and all our clothes. And we drove all the way across the country. And this is uh, like the middle of November, about a week or so before Thanksgiving. And played three rounds. The first three rounds, I was lock solid in. You know, I was in the I think they took 30 in that stage to go to the finals. And I proceeded to shoot 74, uh, bogeyed the last hole to miss by a shot to um to get into the final stage and um to make it even i don't know if this is worse or funny or both but um they did they played off for the alternates and there were 12 of us who were in that one shot back spot so we had a playoff for 12 guys i ended up getting through that playoff and won the playoff so i was first alternate into the you know into the final stage the final stage was at pga west so they were playing the nicholas course and La Quinta, uh, the dunes course at La Quinta where the, uh, was the site. And it was like the first week of December. So I had to make a decision. Do I go home? Do I come back? Do, what do I do? I, so my, we ended up staying out in Los Angeles. I had an uncle who lived in Huntington Beach. 
And so we spent Thanksgiving with them, stayed another whatever, 10, 12 days out in California. And, um, you know, there were 300 and I think 312 players or 288 players that were in that final stage. And I was somehow I was the first alternate for the whole thing. And that was the longest day you'll ever want to spend was waiting to see if somebody withdraws in that tournament. And wouldn't you know, nobody withdrew. So um, that was it. That was my that was my last shot. So after that, I, I kind of decided it was time to uh, jump into the real world of business and and, uh, and move on. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, you would think in, in fields that large, I, I got to think it'd be a rarity for how to have nobody withdraw. Yeah, <laughs> you would. You would uh, so, yeah, uh, Brian Clare, uh, he played he was playing on the tour at the time. He, he and I were. Uh, college roommates at University of Tampa. So he's a good friend of mine. And and I had talked to him right after uh, Phoenix and said, you know, what do I do? What do you think? Is it a good chance that somebody's going to drop out? And he said, oh, man, that, mo- most likely somebody's going to get hurt, sick, you know, whatever. And it turns out it didn't happen. Mm. So uh, got my practice rounds in and everything. They let me play practice rounds and they just had to camp out all day waiting for somebody to no show on the first tee. I yeah I, I appreciate you sharing that. Like I said, I, I feel like that's that's definitely tearing at maybe old old wounds, but um, I, I do think that's that's very interesting. Yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was an interesting time, you know, when when you knew you were facing uh, whether you were gonna, you know, if you made it into that final stage, I think you know fifty guys got cards out of that thing. So who knows what would have happened if I had gotten into that stage? Yeah. But anyway. And then, so afterwards, those those ensuing years, um, did did you put golf on the back burner? Was it more focused on family, career, um, that sort of thing? Yeah, it was more focused on uh, career and um, you know doing something else. And that's when I got involved and started doing, uh, got in, uh, selling the marketing in the um, direct marketing world. Okay, so that's what I started to do. When did you pick back up with competitive amateur golf? Yeah, so I got my I got my amateur status back uh, probably around um, ninety four, ninety five, something like that. And uh, I I didn't really play a whole lot of golf up until um, those late nineties, uh, right around two thousand. When um, so, what was I turning? Maybe forty, forty one. I started to play some uh, GSGA events, Georgia State Golf Association events in, here in the state of Georgia, and. Um, Joined uh, joined a club here in the area, St. Ives Country Club, and that was 2002, I think, or 2003, and um, that's when I started to really, you know, work on my game a little bit and and get more involved in uh, playing local events. Did you have goals at that point? Did did you get back into it uh, with a mindset that you know was the USGA Championship kind of the ultimate goal, or was it more just hey, I, I miss competing and and want to get back, you know? into it for for the sake of uh competition i think um right off the bat it was more just competition i just just love to get out there and play and compete but uh i i had a sense that my game was pretty good when i as more i practiced and got my game going that i could compete at a you know, national level so i was always um attempting the u.s mid-am and the u.s amateur qualifiers every summer and um Really had a couple good years, like 2003, 2004. I qualified for the U.S. Amateurs those years. Um, Oakmont one year and Wingfoot the next year. So, you know, those are good confidence boosters when when you can qualify in those things and um, play it at those kind of sites. It um, 
really gives you some a boost uh, to your game. Sure. What 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 do you think your breakthrough was? Can you point to an event or or a certain time that was you know, or, or was it just more of a gradual progression? Yeah, I would say it was pretty gradual. Just uh, you know, baby steps. I, I I saw some success here in Georgia and being able to compete in, like in the U.S. Mid Am and the State Am. Not winning any of those events, but um, you know, leading those after a day or two, or um, you know, being the final groups in those tournaments, that, that kind of just builds on itself over time. I think in uh, 2007, I won the uh, Atlanta Open, which was a, a pretty neat event. The Georgia PGA runs that every year, and it that thing dates back to back in the 20s. Bobby Jones won the Atlanta Open one time, so I had you know, um, so I won that in 2007, and um. So that was a good turning point for me, I think. Yeah. More recently, I guess, uh, it, it looks like you've, you've had tremendous success at the Gasparilla. Yeah, I love that event. It's a great, it's a great event. Um, it kind of kickstarts my season. So it's coming up in two weeks. And um, I've always uh, looked forward to playing that because I take some time off in the wintertime. And that's the first one of the year. So um, I know the course really well. It's a great kind of a Donald Ross style course. And uh, you have to hit it pretty straight, and the greens are really fast. And uh, my brother Paul's—he's he, a member there too, so um, it's a good place to get back and visit everybody. Well, then let's let's talk about USGA events because I, I know you you played in a number of them. Um, ultimately, culminating, like I said last year, uh, you won your first USGA event, the the Senior Am. I, I think you know, reading some of your transcripts, it sounds like more than anything. Uh, the experience that you gained through the years and just how to pace yourself and, um, you know, deal with at least the, the senior amps can be, can be grinds. You're playing a ton of golf over six, seven days. Uh, is that, do you think that's fair to say it is more just, you know, getting experience rather than, you know, yet you had to get better golf wise? Yeah, I would say so. It, um, it can be a shock to the system if you've never played in the USGA event before. So they they don't shortchange it at all. They um, the US Mid Am and the US Am and the Senior Am uh, they select you know great sites. They set the golf courses up with you know narrow fairways, firm greens, thick rough, and uh, you've got to be on your game if you want to uh, have any success in those things. So there, I I played in a number of Mid Ams um, in my forties. Um, I think I played in three or four of them or whatever and uh, made the match play down at uh, John's Island Club a few years back. And that that gave me a lot of experience being able to do that. And then um, so once I turned when I turned 50, I qualified for the uh, senior open my first go at it, which was a great experience too, being able to play at um, with all the uh, senior tour guys. And uh, that was a great experience. And then so that was my number one goal, if you want to say every year was always circled on my calendar that qualifier for the senior open and uh, made a lot of, a lot of close tries uh, missed by shot here and there almost every year. And then uh, qualified again um, this past spring uh, and played at Notre Dame. Hey everybody, Randy here. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Bill paying time. I mentioned that today's episode is sponsored by herbal active. I want to thank them again, herbal active CBD products. They have an assortment of different CBD products at their website, herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V. They have uh, mints, they have a balm, and they have drops. I know the NLU boys are 
quite partial to their regimen of drops every day and then uh, sprinkle in the balm and in the mints uh, on occasion and when necessary. So thanks so much to HerbalActive.com. When you're at their website, be sure to use the promo code TRAPDRAW20. TRAPDRAW20 will get you 20% off your purchase. Thank them for uh, sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now back to our conversation. Um, well, let, let me, let's go through, if you don't mind, if, if you'll indulge me. Um, so that week, uh, last, last, well, last summer, early, late summer, I guess in, uh, in North Carolina. Yeah. Last week, August. last week of August was, was there anything, did, did you feel any differently going into that week than you had prior years? This, this was your fourth start in a senior amateur. Um, you, you had, Great success, although uh, you had never gotten past the quarterfinals previously. What, did did you know? Did you have a sense that hey, I'm playing some really good golf right now? This you know things things might work out, or, or was it just you know take it as it comes and and see what happens? <laughs> yeah, you you, you kind of, match play is a, a tough thing because you can play great and get beaten. You can play just okay and still win a match. But no, I, I felt good about my game coming in. Um, I really liked how the golf course set up for me, you know, being here in uh, Georgia, I play, you know, almost everything's um, Bermuda grass where the, you know, the, if you're, if you're not used to playing in that kind of rough, it's a totally different game than uh, fescue or bluegrass kind of stuff. And then they had champions greens and we play almost everything here now is almost all hybrid Bermuda greens. We have mini Verde at, at my club, but there's a lot of the clubs nearby that have champions. So none of it was a surprise to me. And it, it uh, definitely suited my game pretty well. And they had the course set up. Um, you know, a lot of people might think senior golf, you, you know, they play you know, 65, 6,600 yards. And now this one was, uh, I think it was like 7,100 yards. It was all you wanted. The, the course just seemed fantastic too. It, it, it at, at least from an, an observation uh, wise. Uh, and you had some really tight, difficult matches. I, you know, you won in the round of 32 was, was a one up victory. Your round of 16 was two and one. Um, the, the quarters was a bit of an easier time. Uh, but then the semis was one up and the, and the final was, was one up. Were, were you just, I mean, it seems like it was just a grind. <laughs> yeah, it's a grind. And, um, yeah, so I had a, um, the first one was actually, I played really well and got through, but I knew, so I, I didn't have a good medal round my first day on Saturday. So that put me right around 30th or 32nd uh, seed. So I knew if after I got by that first match, I was going to get the one or two seed. And that's who I drew. I think I drew I, one of the guys who was a medalist and it, he was a local guy there in Durham. So I knew that match was going to be difficult and um, played really well. And um, I think I just got it to one up somewhere along the way in the back nine and, and um, managed to win it on 18. And then um, the really, the, the hard match was the semifinal match. And that was against Jeff Wilson. Jeff's a great player. He's the defending champion. And um, he and I actually played on Saturday and Sunday together. So um, I, I, you know, we each kind of knew each other's game pretty well by watching each other for those days. And uh, we went 21 holes, and that was a grind. Yeah, and and Jeff, it, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like Jeff Wilson, uh, very long. I, I, I that, that's what struck me. Long. Yeah, he. <laughs> so in the yeah, so in the um, well, he birdied 17, which is a great par three. Um, I was one up with two to go. He birdied 17, makes him like like a 20 footer, 
And then we go to 18 and I had, I made one of the greatest up and downs of all time out of the left greenside bunker to uh, have the hole. And then he hit a drive and an iron into one, which is a, I don't know how long a par five it was, but nobody was reaching that green in two. He knocked it on in two. And I got, I managed to hit a sand wedge. I laid it up to about 90 yards and hit it inside about five feet and uh, tied his four. And then um, he bogeyed the third extra hole after about, about we had about a 35 minute rain delay on the second green. Yeah, that's right. Um, for the, in the playoff, which was a little bit crazy. We're out there huddled in our carts and it's, it poured for 25 minutes. Um, but the USGA guy says it's going to, it's going to blow over in a few minutes, just hang in there. And so we ended up, um, we hit our tee shots on two already and we were just waiting up by the green and uh, finished putting out. But it was, everything was underwater at that point too. And then in the finals, you, you um, went up against Roger Newsom and it, it was, I, I'm not sure if anybody was more than one up that entire match I, i'd have to go check the scorecard uh to verify I think that that's right but it but it seemed like right. he, yeah it just seemed like it was back and forth and it, it obviously came down to the very end was it you know did were you, were you were you ever comfortable or was it just you know was it just a fight all, all day yeah it was a fight all day i was comfortable with how i was hitting the ball um didn't manage to make a whole lot on the greens i hit a lot of good shots hit a lot of greens but i, I like the way i was driving the ball and so i knew you know, after the five matches, I knew if I par, you know, didn't give him too many holes, that um, pars were good scores out there. If you hit the ball in the rough, uh, odds are you were going to make a bogey unless you could somehow make a long putt or hit it really close from, because you couldn't hit it on the green out of the, from off the fairway. So he birdied. I I won the first hole. He birdied nine and ten. And I was one down. I don't think I was ever more than one down all week. But so that was that woke me up a little bit, and then. Um, I managed to win, I think, 12 and 13. And um, the only the only thing I was really felt bad about was 17. I three-putted 17 and um, was one up. So we went all square into 18. And then 18 was uh, – I knew four was going to be a good score, and it turned out it was it was the right score. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that was it, – it was, it was a fantastic match to, to – to watch for, for that reason it just seemed like you guys were both battling and and it was back and forth um it, it was a it was a real treat to to be able to watch that um you, you said after the round after the championship um you couldn't wait to get up to uh far hills new jersey and, and see your name up on the wall have you done that yet haven't done it yet um we were trying to we were trying to do something around the holidays that didn't work out but um at some point this year definitely when i if i get up to new york which i like to do uh, at least once or so a year, um, we'll definitely get out there and, and take a look at it. It's supposed to be great. Nice, nice. Uh, and then I, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about that week, uh, your brother Jack was caddying for you, uh, and, and it should be it's worth mentioning as well. Your your younger brother uh, Paul was also competing in, in that same event. Uh, he, he's quite a golfer himself. I, does yeah, it was cool. Does Jack caddy for you often, or, or just kind of in the bigger events, special occasions? Yeah, so bigger events. He um, luckily he's got some. He's got time and he can take off when he wants to and stuff. So he caddied for me up at Minicata. Um, I'm trying to remember where else he might have. A couple of other USGA events. He's been been on the bag and this one's pretty good because he's got a his back is a mess. So he couldn't really carry clubs, but when you can throw them on a cart mm-hmm. and get around that way, it works out pretty good. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, he knows my game really well. 
And um, it's great to have somebody there just giving you some support and being able to, you know, take the cart when you don't need to. And because I, I, I prefer walking over riding if I can. And um, they finally changed their rule where you can mix and match with your caddy on the cart. So, um, yeah, it was a great help. One of the more recent trap draws was with uh, the authors Gary Nickel and Carl Morris. And, and we were discussing their book, The Lost Art of Playing Golf which is in a series, um, and it's their second book, which came after The Lost Art of Putting. And you you messaged me and said, you know, that, that book, The Lost Art of Putting, changed my life. And so I, I'm very curious to hear the, the story behind that and, and kind of set up where were you beforehand? How did, how did you discover the book and, and what, what has it done for you? Yeah, so back in, so back in the summer... And uh, kind of going back to Notre Dame, so that was like the end of June, uh, the senior open. <clears throat> My putting was just off. I was just um, just in a bit of a slump. Uh, I had I hit, my ball striking was really good there. Uh, I shot seventy four, seventy one, but I had six three putts, which was crazy. And um, I was um, trying different putters. I, I went away from the one I was using all the time. I even picked up a spider trying that. Um, so right around. Um, middle of July, towards the end of July, I was getting ready to head over to Scotland to play in the um, senior British amateur. It was at North Berwick. And I was looking for some content to listen to on the way over on the flight and, and so forth. And I'm, pay- I'm just going through a bunch of different podcasts. And one caught my eye, Lost Art of Putting. Uh, to- that was the topic title or whatever. I downloaded it and whatever. And so the next day or two, I listened to it, uh, started listening to it and working out at the gym. And there's these two guys, Gary Nichols and, and uh, Carl Morris, talking about the lost art of putting. And I'm, everything just kind of clicked uh, with what they were saying on this podcast. And so I immediately downloaded the book to my phone and read the book on the flight over to North Berwick. And I immediately started putting those principles into play, um, like as soon as I hit the ground. So I, I totally went, you know, all in on it. And, you know, I, I putted pretty good at North Berwick, not great, um, but I, I was in a good place there and, and felt like I saw some success. And then, you know, just a couple weeks later, um, you know, one at Old Chatham and I had, I had one three putt in 134 holes. Wow. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a big, um, you know, it, as you know, you, you read the book and talked to those guys. I, I had to make a few changes, change the story. You know, that's a big thing. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't walk around telling people you're a lousy putter or telling yourself, you, you know, you can't make anything and stuff. You just got to change that story, which I did. And, um, I got, I was getting way too technical, um, in those slump months where I was the worse I putted, the more I worked on line alignment, where I was aiming, where my putter was aiming and lines on my ball. And that was just, that really made things worth worse. Um, I ended up learning. So I went away with lines, no lines on the ball and just got more, you know, more imagination in the stroke and just thinking about pace instead of line. And, um, everything kind of came together. It's crazy, but <laughs> I, I think, uh, that was my big takeaway from reading, uh, the lost art of playing golf was the understanding that, you know, the, the more technical I try to think about my swing and, and the game, it's just, it, it's the wrong path to go down. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed that. I was curious, have you talked to Gary or Carl? Have, yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've talked to Carl a few times. I was on his um, his uh, podcast. Oh, his okay. Mind, mind uh, forget the name of his now. Um, but yeah, I was on his podcast um, not too long after because I wrote those guys um, after the tournament and stuff and said thanks. You guys changed my putting and changed my life. I won this big tournament. I I would not have won. I would not have won that tournament without those changes that I made to my stroke and my my thought process and uh, hitting the ball with better pace and and uh, the questions are a big deal too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you walk up to a putt and say, "Is it possible to hold this putt?" All of a sudden, you you tell yourself yes. Your your brain just starts working in a different way, and then you say, "What does this ball need to do to go in the hole?" You you just your imagination changes. You get away from line, and you just start picturing the ball, you know, on the right track. Yeah, yeah. And it was a, it was a big big change, but it uh, works for me. That's well, it's a fantastic testimonial, and and like I said, I I found their book. It's easy to be cynical about some of the self-help and, uh, you know, um, psychological books around golf. Uh, but, but I think they do, they do a wonderful job in, in the way they explain, you know, their, their thoughts and, and explain what they're thinking. Uh, it really made sense to me and I, I enjoyed, uh, I, I've enjoyed reading those books. So I've, I'm glad you could share that. Um, I, I, I'm curious, I, I'm kind of running up against it here. Uh, do you think how would you describe yourself as a golfer now compared to you know when you're in college or even you know 10 15 years ago um you know do you think you're better do you think you're playing the best golf of your life now yes <laughs> i i drive the ball better that's always that was always my uh my issue i think holding me back through my younger years and you know trying to qualify in the on the mini tours and stuff like that i always was not a great driver of the golf ball. And I finally have figured something out where I can drive the ball and play and hit more fairways. And maybe it's the technology as part of it too. You know, these drivers nowadays are, um, (laughs) you can set them up to fix different flaws in your swing maybe. And um, they fly, the ball flies straight and the clubs are easier to hit. I mean, it's crazy that I can drive the ball better at 58 than I could at 48 or 38 or 28, but I, you know, I do. Mm -hmm. So um, that's been a big change. You know, if you can hit more fairways and you have more chances to hit the ball on the green and get it close to the hole, you're going to make more birdies and shoot lower scores. So um, that's been the biggest thing for me. Uh, and, and then talk to me about the the year, the, the upcoming year, 2020. What what are you know? Obviously, you have the some big events on there. What are you most excited for? And uh, what are some of the bigger events you'll be playing in? So yeah, I've got a pretty good schedule. A little bit crazy. Um, I've got four USGA events this year, which is pretty neat. Um, so I've got the U.S. Senior Open in June. That's at Newport Country Club. And um, I don't know if you had known this, but, you know, they, they pair the Senior Am champ with um, the Open champ and the uh, U.S. Open champ. So that's Stricker and Langer as a threesome. Uh, the first two. Days. I, I, I did read that. That that will be. Yeah, that'll be very that'll be cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun, uh, and we're I'll have a lot of family and friends uh, out there that week. It's 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 really going to be something. And then uh, the U.S. Amateur this year is at Bandon Dunes. Uh, I've played there before, actually a couple times in some USJ events. I played the Mid Amateur there in 2007, so that's going to be um, that'll be a lot of fun playing with all the uh, all the young kids. And uh, then the U.S. Amateurs in September, or um, the U.S. Mid Amateurs in September at Kinlock. And the uh, senior am this year is at uh, Country Club of Detroit. 
So, um, and I've got 10 year exemption, uh, with that one. So that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. And those are some fantastic venues. I, I think one thing we've talked about is the, the USGA seems to be really, uh, doing a great job of, of putting their championships at, at some, um, a, a very cool mix of, of courses, you, you know, some historical ones like, like Newport country club, but then also, you know, you mentioned Bandon. Um, that's, that's excellent. They do a great job. They, I think they get a bad, they get some bad press now and then they make a mistake or two here and there, but they don't get enough accolades for all the good things that they do for the game. And, um, you know, I've got, I got to know a lot of the folks there and a lot, a lot more of what goes on and, and they do, they really do a great job, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can say I was, I was very impressed, um, at the U S senior am last, last summer. Uh, it just has the, the way they're able to, I mean, even, even the little things like the signage around the course, it just, the, the whole thing, it, it makes it feel very important. Uh, and, and it gives, it, it gives the event a, a lot of weight and, um, prominence. So I, yeah, I, I agree. They, they take some lumps. Uh, maybe some of them deserved uh, with, with some of the higher profile events, but but they do do a lot of good things uh, th- throughout the game. So, um, well, Bob, I've th- this has been I, I'm so glad we were able to talk. Uh, I, I really appreciate, you know, you telling your story and, and offering some insights and best of luck uh, this coming year. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate it. It was great. Thank you. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who